Welcome to Reflections from the Heart, presented by Stewardship, a mission of faith. Reflections from the Heart with your host, David Abel, is an outreach of Gospel Reflection, a ministry of Stewardship, a mission of faith. For the next 30 minutes, please join David as he breaks open the bread of life in the Gospel reading for Sunday's Mass. And as the same Holy Spirit who inspired the biblical writers, inspires us today with the truths he reveals to our hearts through his word. Now, here's David with Reflections from the Heart. Welcome everyone to another session of Reflections from the Heart. Today, I'm joined by Rob Longo, Don Gleichman, and Tom Terrace, and my name's David Abel. Welcome one and all. Good to be here, Hi, David. Awesome, Hi. awesome. If everybody would take a moment and get their Bibles, we're going to turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 18 through 24. But before we break open the bread of life, Rob, do you mind inviting the Holy Spirit into our hearts to help us see what the Lord wants us to see today? I would love to, David. And, and in addition to inviting the Holy Spirit, I would love to just lead us all in the serenity prayer and uh, the, the gospel that we're going to break open, this beautiful uh, you know, exchange between Joseph and the angel. You know, the, the serenity prayer just makes just so much sense for that situation and for ours. And most of us, I'm sure, have heard the beginning of the serenity prayer, but the, uh, the, the, the second part that a lot of, 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 of us haven't been so familiar with is really, really beautiful. So I uh, hope you can pray along with us. In the name of the Father and Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Father, you are the God of, of love and patience and joy and hope. You are our Father who just wants his children to come home to him. Thank you, Father, for your love. Thank you for the gift of sending your Son, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to become one of us to lead us back to our heavenly home. Holy Spirit, please join us as we break open the word. Fill our hearts with your wisdom and understanding. Fill our hearts with your courage. Lord, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardships as the pathway to peace, taking as he did this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to his will, that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. 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 Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And uh, Tom, do you mind giving us a little gospel love today? Yeah, absolutely. This is um, from Matthew 1, um, verses 18 through 24. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. When his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found with child through the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, since he was a righteous man, yet unwilling to expose her to shame, decided to divorce her quietly. Such was his intention when, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, into your home, for it is through the Holy Spirit that this child has been conceived in her. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke, 
he did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took his wife into his home. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise, Praise you, Lord, Lord, Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. So we're, we're getting ready for the fourth Sunday of Advent. It's uh, just amazing how, how it just goes by. And uh, you just think of the, the journey that we've been on, and this is the, the last Sunday of Advent. You know, first Sunday we hear Jesus tell us to stay awake, and then the next Sunday... John the Baptist is exhorting us to repent, right? To be open to change, to for God to transform our lives. And then last week, uh, prepare. You know, like, are we really preparing ourselves for for the real meaning of Christmas? Not just getting ready with cookies and presents and decorations, although there there's an important part of the celebration. Um, but are we truly preparing our hearts? And then we have. This, this coming Sunday's gospel, and you just picture Joseph, what he's going through. And then the angel says, do not be afraid. He's like, man, how can, how can I not be afraid, right? And, and in our lives, you know, we might be having moments like this where we're just kind of scratching our heads and wondering what's going on, what's God's plan, you know, why is this happening? And the scripture speaking to us as well, don't be afraid. And then we might say, how? How can this be? How could Joseph not be afraid? How can I not be afraid? And then later on in this gospel, we hear God is with us. Emmanuel means God is with us and change us to me. God is with me. God is with me. That no matter what is going on, no matter how things are unfolding in my life, God is with me. Be not afraid. God is with me. And, you know, elsewhere in Scripture, it says he'll never leave us alone. He won't leave us. He'll always be with us. And I immediately think of the Eucharist. Mm. Do we prepare the manger of our hearts every day and then go to that opportunity as the wise men traveled to go visit the Christ child, as the shepherds heard the call and went and adored him? Do we hear the call every day as Catholics to get up? to get dressed, and to go to Mass so that we, too, can prepare the mangers of our hearts to receive God, Emmanuel. God is with us, Jesus Christ, fully present in the Eucharist, body, blood, soul, and divinity. Do we truly understand what that saying means? God, in all humility, is offering himself to us fully, and completely holding nothing back. And the word that I used is humility. As Jesus came into the world in all humility, born in a stable, laid in a manger as the Lamb of God, so too, in all humility, realizing we are broken, we are sinners, we need a Savior. We need to go to God, repent of our sins, and as Catholics, go to that great gift of the sacrament of reconciliation to get clean, get our stables in order, get our mangers ready, and then don't miss the opportunity to receive our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, into us. It said in a ditty, we are what we eat, what we consume spiritually, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity. So that as St. Paul says, it's no longer I that live, but God that lives in me, Jesus that lives in me, Christ that lives in me. So when I go to the Eucharist, I always say, Lord Jesus, I invite you to impregnate me with your divinity, course through my body, and purge from me anything 
that is not of you. God just doesn't want a personal relationship. That's dipping your toes into the beginning of the water. God wants an ever-deepening, intimate relationship with him. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He wants to come into you, to dwell with you, to, as Scripture says, dine with you, to dine with you. And what is the meal? His very self as the Lamb of God, body, blood, soul, and divinity in a beautiful, beautiful spiritual marital embrace, which foreshadows that phenomenal, phenomenal heavenly embrace, the eternal exchange of love. Dave, you mentioned yeah, we are what we eat. I just think back to a school visit once, and it was young. It was, like, I don't know, second or third graders, and we were talking about, it's probably third grade, um, talking to the third graders about Easter. It was right after Easter, and, and I'm a big fan of food, right? <laughs> and uh, I was like, what, what was your favorite food item that you that you had over Easter? And I'm thinking, you know, mine was raviolis and peeps, and, you know, I'm thinking all this food stuff, and the kids are mentioning food, and this one little kid, you know, raises his hand very, you know, very peacefully. And he says, my favorite food was the Eucharist. Wow. wow. And I was like, oh, my man. I said, you, I, was, I said, thank you. So you I'm did think, a star. I'm thinking raviolis and, uh, and peeps. <laughs> and he brought us all back. Wow. And that's the only food, David, like you're saying, that is the only food that makes that saying true. You are what you eat. Yes. Because we're not walking around like hamburgers and hot dogs nope. after we eat them, but we consume Jesus Yes. And we allow him to transform us. We become Jesus. More each time that we consume him, we become who we eat. And Tom, as you were reading, what jumped out at me was the last line. It says, and took his wife into his home. Who did he take into his home? Mary. Where else in sacred scripture do we hear those lines? We hear them at the end. Where Jesus looked down from the cross and looked at his mother and said the words, Behold your son. And then to his beloved disciple, who we, we, we realize is potentially John, but it's also each and every one of us. Mm-hmm. And he looks at us and says, Behold your mother. And from that moment on, the beloved disciple took her into his home, the home of his heart. So, brothers and sisters, take Mother Mary. God's plan for salvation included her. It's the biblical story. This is the beginning of it. Don't be afraid. That's right up here in the in the upper upper sentence. Don't be afraid, as the angel said to Joseph, to take Mary, your wife, into your home. Well, for each and every one of us, don't be afraid to take Mary, your mother, the gift from Jesus Christ from the cross into your home, into your hearts, because her role as any good Jewish mother is to introduce you to her son. Amen. Have I got a son for you? I love it. Uh, yeah, this uh, gospel spoke to me, I guess, kind of differently um, from what we were talking about so far. And says this is how the birth of Jesus came about. So this is the beginning of the story. And we already see, like, Jesus already, his life is starting off with problems, so to speak, you know, like, because Joseph isn't sure of all this. And then shortly after this, Herod wanted to kill him. And then, you know, throughout his life, they wanted to throw him off the cliff. So to me, it spoke that he experienced difficulties the same as I do, same as all of us do. But, um, and even Joseph, who was like, had to be like disappointed 
when he learned, you know, that his wife was now pregnant. And But my point is, like, God uh, is able to work through all of that and work it all out. And so I guess like what you guys were saying with, you know, God is with us all the time. It's in those difficult moments, when the, in those disappointments, in those beginnings that are rocky, just to fall back on that rock, you know, the, the teachings of the church to steady us and, and get us, you know, on the path that we're supposed to take, just as the angel got Joseph on the mm-hmm. correct path. Yeah. Well, I think it's so important, too, because as we look back at Mary, we believe she was somewhere around the age of 14 years old, mm-hmm. and she got pregnant out of wedlock, not from a husband. Well, then let's bring that forward to today. How many times have I seen a young teenage girl who's pregnant, and my immediate thoughts are, it's awesome. She's going to bring another opportunity for Christ to come into the world. Now, what I think is, oh, what happened to her? She's 14 years old. She got pregnant. I start to judge. I start to do, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This reading today really convicted me. I need to stop. Scriptures tell us all children are a gift from God. Not some, not a few, all. So we realize that, yes, mistakes are made in a young man and a young woman, but that child is not a mistake. That child is a gift from God. That child, God is forming in the womb. That child, God is knitting the soul to. That child, when it is born, absolutely is formed in the image and likeness of God and is called to bring Christ into the world through their uniqueness. That's what I want to have the eyes to see, not the eyes of judgment, Mm -hmm. the eyes of condemnation. Oh, my goodness. And the other piece here was, you know, uh, Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man. But look at what happened. He was unwilling to expose her to shame. Well, that's good. But then look what he did. But he decided, he decided, he didn't mm-hmm. ask God, to divorce her quietly. What I've learned is when I get that first thought in my mind, stop. Don't run with it. Take it to God as Mary did and ponder it. Ponder it means to take that thought, capture it, take it to God and say, God, help me understand what do you want me to do? Mm-hmm. Don't let me come up with my own ideas. Well, I'm going to divorce her and I'll do this and I'll do that. No, 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 stop, stop, take it to God, ponder it with God, and then listen in silence to the still quiet voice who will give us the answer of what to do. I had an opportunity the other day, a man said to me, and I wasn't even thinking, I was with my wife, he says, hey, if you want to buy that, if you just pay me cash, you don't have to pay tax. Oh, man, I was going to save $144 in tax. I'm like, oh, that's, that's a pretty good deal. Hmm. So my wife wrote him out a check and said, we'll hold that. We'll come back in a couple weeks and we'll pay you cash. I get home, still quiet voice of the Holy Spirit says, excuse me, wouldn't you consider that stealing? (laughs) Stealing the government's tax money and then aiding that person to not report the sale, aiding them to steal their tax money. And I went, ooh, you're (laughs) right. So immediately I said to my wife, I said, hey, we, we can't do this. We've got to go back and tell the man, cash the check, and here's the $144, because don't let him say, oh, no, it's tax included. No, here's the $144 of tax money, Mm -hmm. because our faith belief says to us, we can't do this. It's theft from the government. And so we did that. It was a beautiful opportunity to plant a seed of truth, to not be afraid, plant a seed of truth, 
and then pray it up and let God grow it. Beautiful. So again, man, it, this, this this walk, this this Christian walk, deny yourself, pick up your cross, follow me. It's a journey of purification. It's a journey of purgation so that we become more and more and more formed in the image and likeness of Christ. So we become the lights to the world that point to Christ. I know that this is not really supposed to be a Bible study, but I was curious about some things, and so I did some reading outside uh, when we were preparing for this sharing the other day in our own parish. The betrothal was a period of time in the world when back here they had arranged marriages. I mean, when a 14-year-old girl married a man who was older but who already had a, an established business or an established way to make uh, support his family, then he was typically older. And so the, the betrothal was a period of time between the, the covenantal binding of the two people and the consummation of the marriage. It was sort of like a trial period, if you will. I mean, let's hope she doesn't get pregnant because if, if she does, you can get divorced you don't have to go through this. You don't have to have. You don't have to drag children into it. So it was a it was a period of time between the covenant and the and the, the consummation. Another thing that was kind of interesting to me was that it says here again the same thing it says in the first verse of Matthew chapter one that Joseph was the son of David. One of the promises that God gave to David was that his kingdom would exist forever. So if Jesus was to be, or if Joseph was a son of David. He was carrying on that line to protect the kingdom, and his son would be the new prince on the throne. So this had some real power for him to have recognized his genealogy. And I mean, I believe that Jesus was told that genealogy by Mary, who who, whose job was as a mother to teach the child until he was 12 years old. I think this is a very interesting passage about how as it says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. So it all sort of comes full full circle, and it ties together with what, what had been done before. And it wasn't just something that was, it was the first time and it happened. Here there was something that had been predicted a long time ago by God and planned by him. You know, Donna, that was beautiful because, yes, this is gospel reflection. But also, as Catholics, we need to dive deep into sacred scripture mm -hmm. because every one of our Catholic teachings— are right here. They're right in the book. I mean, you shared about it in the line of the king of David's kingdom, correct? Mm -hmm. Well, in the kingdom of David, who served as queen? The queen mother. The mother. Why? Because the kings had a lot of wives, a lot of concubines, a lot of wives. But always who served was the mother. She was the queen mother, the Geberah. And what was her role? Well, we see that in Second Kings. It was to intercede for the people to the king with their needs. And then we go to the wedding feast of Cana. What mm. does Mary do? Intercedes. She yeah. intercedes for the servants of the wedding, which really looks like it's the servants of the wedding feast, which is to come. Servants of the wedding. They were running, running out of wine. And what does she do? She doesn't fix it. She takes it to Jesus. And then she goes back to the servants and says, do whatever I tell you. No, do whatever he tells you. So our biblical understanding as Catholics of Mary being included in God's plan for salvation is biblical. 
Our understanding as Mary as queen mother, which is certainly depicted in sacred scriptures in Revelation 12, a woman clothed with the sun, crowned with 12, 12 stars, it's all there. But we need to learn it first and foremost in our own hearts and then share it with love and humility. Those who haven't, their eyes haven't been opened yet. And, and again, show it biblically. So that was great, Don. Thank you. Another kind of interesting thing was it mentions here that that the son will be named Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And you say, well, okay, but they named him Jesus. Jesus actually means Yahweh saves, or put it in our language, God saves, which is sort of like the same thing as Emmanuel. God is with us, God saves. So it actually, Emmanuel and Jesus sort of mean exactly the same thing. Beautiful. What else do we see? The Earlier this week, uh, we were at Mass at St. Joan of Arc, and one of the intentions, I don't, maybe they've prayed it before or <laughs> I've heard it before, but it was just, just struck, struck me that we prayed for an increase in our wonder and awe. Wow. I love it. And, really, and, and Don, as you're sharing just, just the, the truths of the story of our salvation, and you know, we're talking about the Eucharist and uh, you know, God being with us, Tom, in, in all of our difficulties— Lord, please just fill us to overflowing with that beautiful gift of wonder and awe, like just childlike wonder and awe at just God's love, his plan for us, how he orchestrates all this, you know, between Mary and Joseph, the Eucharist. I mean, it's just there is so much to be in awe about in our faith. And uh, so many times we, we hear it over and over again, and without taking the time to really ponder it, uh, we, we we miss we miss those opportunities. And last week, our stewardship team, and for those of you listening, um, just really encourage this. We had a a silent retreat uh, last week, and it was you know after breakfast until dinner, silent for the bulk of the day, and it was powerful to be able to to really just to talk to God, to hear the, the, the presentations, to hear the conferences. And then instead of just chit-chatting with your buddies about, you know, what's going on in your life or the weekend or the Eagles or whatever, you, you talk to God, but you have a chance to really listen and speak and ponder what was said. And, and I think we just, we miss that. And for my life, the less silence that I have, especially silence at Eucharistic adoration, the less wonder and awe. I have so yeah. so I, I just because you're not you know, plugged in. No, so what a great so if anybody has a chance to, I mean every day we should we should unplug and have silence. But if you ever have a chance to to really break away, even if it's a one day reflection or one day retreat where it's it's you and God, um, I would highly recommend it. So and Rob, I'll, Rob, that's something we need to do every day. We need to dedicate the you know <laughs> Jesus shows us that in the Garden of Gethsemane. He takes his three three boys, you know his. His, his his special intimate circle, Peter, James, and John, and says, you know, pray. And then he comes back and they're asleep. He <laughs> says, can't you even pray one hour? Well, I think that's a, there's, there's a message there for us. We're supposed to put the Lord, our first commandment, love your Lord, the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. We're supposed to give God the tithe, the first 10% to him, right? But do we give him the first 10% of our time? Do we take the first 10%, that first hour, of a day, and then give it to him, do we? It's a challenge. And Rob, I want to share with you, I don't know if you remember this, years ago, we did the scripture reading in Philadelphia. And I didn't know it at the time, but there was a man there who was really having a hard time because he found out his young daughter, mm, teenage yeah. daughter, 
was pregnant. And he and his wife were, were counseling with her, do you get an abortion? Do you not? Do you keep the child? Do you not? We broke open the scripture verse and that sharing that I gave earlier today about the fact that all children, no matter the circumstances, are a gift from God. They're all formed in the image and likeness of God. They're all meant to be another opportunity for Christ to come into the world. He heard it all. And at the end of the reflection, he said, I needed to hear what I heard. Mm. No, we had no motive. Yeah. We were just sharing what the Holy Spirit put into our hearts. That man went home, talked to his wife, talked to his daughter, shared the story, and then shared with us, three. I think three months later, the birth of his new grandchild wow. they chose to keep. Wow. His daughter chose to keep. They chose to keep and raise that mm. child. Look at how God used this scripture verse written 2,000 years ago <laughs> to plant a seed of truth. Then he grew it. And a new child was born, and that child will have a ripple effect in this world. I was also thinking about how during that same retreat, I had a brief time with the priest who was there for confession. And at the end of the confession, the priest said something that was very, very powerful, but it sort of knocked me backwards, and I had to think about it for a while. He said, less remorse, more contrition. I thought about it. Remorse is when you're really sorry for something that you've done because it's changed your life and affected those around you. Whereas contrition, <clears throat> I think in the act of contrition, we are asked to, to say to God, I'm sorry that I hurt you. So I thought about this and thought about it. And later on, I went back to him and I said, what's the difference between remorse and contrition? And he said, remorse is self-centered. Mm. Contrition is God-centered. I find it so important that we don't just, in our prayer, talk to God, but we take the time to listen to him and to think and ask him to speak with us. And the best way I find to do that is to read the scripture and then contemplate it so he has the time to speak with me. If I don't let him have a chance to speak, I'm doing all the talking. You can't learn anything in that way. But I, I learn when I start to think and listen to him that it's more important my relationship with him cannot be damaged because that's unfair to him. It, it hurts my, my best friend. It hurts my savior. Whereas remorse is only thinking about, well, gee, it'd be better if I hadn't been caught. It'd be better if, if it was for me, if I'm thinking about me. I don't want to be self-centered. I want to be God-centered. Awesome, Donna. As we run out of time here, I just want to share one more little nugget. Joseph was a righteous man, and by the law, he had two opportunities. He could divorce her quietly, which was what his choice was, or he could have stoned her. And we think today, we say, oh, who's going to stone somebody? But you know, every time we cast up another person's sins of their past, we are emotionally stoning them. We are hurting them in their soul. So God bless each and every one of you. Let's be those lights to the world in this Advent and Christmas season. God bless you. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Reflections from the Heart has been presented by Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. We hope that you've been blessed and encouraged as you listen to Reflections from the Heart. If so, you might consider participating in a Gospel Reflection Group. For information on locations and times of Gospel Reflection Groups, or how to start a Gospel Reflection Group in your area, please visit our website at stewardshipmission.org and click on Gospel Reflection Groups or call us at 717-367-0100.
Stewardship a Mission of Faith is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and depends on donations from people like you to make Reflections from the Heart possible. If you enjoyed this broadcast, please prayerfully consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting our website or calling us at 717-367-0100. On behalf of David and the staff here at Stewardship, a Mission of Faith, thank you for listening. And until next time, may God bless, protect, and guide you on your journey home to Him.